Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 5, The Mother Church. The Building Fund for the Mother Church, the first church of Christ Scientist in Boston, was growing, but it still had only a fraction of the $200,000 needed for the planned church edifice. The project was moving slowly, far too slowly, after many years of little progress. Reverend Mary Baker Eddy put out a grand challenge to her church officers and Christian scientists everywhere. She publicly announced a deadline. The church edifice had to be completed within one year. It needed to be ready for church services by Sunday, December 30, 1894. Not only that, it needed to be built without incurring any debt. Even under normal circumstances, to complete such an ambitious project in one year would be difficult. But this was during a period of financial crisis. In 1893, a severe economic depression had begun, during which the stock markets crashed. Hundreds of banks failed. Thousands of businesses went bankrupt or closed, including major railroad companies. Many workers were taking drastic pay cuts or were laid off, and there were national strikes and protest marches going on. Such an ambitious construction project seemed humanly impossible. That was the point. Their spiritual teacher was giving them a learning assignment that could only be accomplished through radical reliance on God. Eddie explained, No doubt must intervene between the promise and event. Faith and resolve are friends to truth. Seize them. Trust the divine providence. Push upward our prayer in stone, and God will give the benediction. The board of directors for Reverend Eddie's church faced obstacles of every kind during the building project. Design challenges, financial shortfalls, labor controversies, transportation issues, problems with suppliers, building site security, and weather concerns. For most of the year, there was very little visible progress on the project. As board member Joseph Armstrong explained, November came and found no roof on the building. The walls unfinished, and snow already on the ground. There were even no suitable plans for interior finish, and but two months in which to complete work that all agreed would require at least six. Yet the church edifice was built by the end of the year. They completed the last finished work on the building on Saturday, December 29th, as the clock struck 12 midnight just in time to hold the Sunday communion service there the next morning. Armstrong declared, It was a victory for Christian science, 
a victory in which every claim of error was met and overcome. The board of directors had met Eddie's seemingly impossible challenge, and a very high standard for church building had been set. Joseph Armstrong shared details about this example building project in his book, The Building of the Mother Church, which would soon be read by branch church members all over the world. Above all, the Boston Building Project set a standard for building financing, as Reverend Eddie put it. Notwithstanding the perplexed condition of our nation's finances, the want and woe, with millions of dollars unemployed in our money centers, the Christian scientists, within 14 months, responded to the call for this church with $191,012. Not a mortgage was given, nor a loan solicited, and the donors all touchingly told their privileged joy at helping to build the mother church. There was no urging, begging, or borrowing, only the need made known, and forth came the money or diamonds, which served to erect this miracle in stone. For the dedication on Sunday, January 6, 1895, about 6,000 people braved the cold, snowy, midwinter weather to attend, including many from the far western states, who came for the event on very short notice. Had there been more advance notice, many more thousands might have attended. It was announced in Boston, and received with some disappointment, that Reverend Eddie would not attend. She was, however, with them in spirit, and she wrote a dedicatory sermon to be read at the services. The directors printed a notice that the service would be repeated as often as necessary to afford all an opportunity to hear. Five services were held that day. Those in attendance had the privilege of the first hearing of Eddie's words of blessing, which concluded, Christian scientists, you have planted your standard on the rock of Christ, the true, the spiritual idea, the chief cornerstone in the house of our God. Divine Presence, Breathe thou thy blessing on every heart in this house. This is the newborn of spirit. This is his redeemed. This his beloved. May the kingdom of God within you, with you always, reascending, bear you outward, upward, heavenward. May all whose means, energies, and prayers helped erect the Mother Church find within it home and heaven. As to Eddie's full address, the Christian Science Journal described the remarkable deliverance this way. There are times when human expression fails to give vent to thought and feeling. The dedication occasion of our prayer in stone is surely one of such times. As well, one might attempt to define the unseen quality of divine love, or bring out in pictorial representation the glory of the transfiguration scene, as to express in poor human language the deep emotion, the sweet sense of joy, and the peace which truly passeth all mortal understanding, 
which pervaded the assembly and filled the hearts of the faithful ones. Abundantly were all repaid for coming, and not one of those who made the midwinter trip across the continent but would gladly repeat it for another such benediction. In summary, the journal declared, This house of love now stands before the world an accomplished fact, and its significance, if not fully understood, is at least becoming partially manifest, even to non-scientists. Mary Baker Eddy's new church in Boston was newsworthy nationally. The Seattle Post-Intelligencer published a lengthy article on the dedication, here in part. Their Prayer in Stone, Dedication of the Christian Science Temple in Boston. The Mother Church of Christian Science, the splendid new temple erected as a testimonial to the discoverer and founder of the denomination at the corner of Norway and Falmouth Streets, threw open its doors very recently to receive its first congregation of worshipers and to reveal to them its wonders of interior construction and ornamentation in which scarcely any church in the country is more unique and interesting. A very remarkable circumstance connected with the erection of this edifice and one which is peculiarly happy in connection with its testimonial character is the fact that not only is there no debt upon it, but that, on the contrary, the contributions continue to flow in, despite the fact that there are ample funds in hand to cover its cost of nearly $200,000. In order to stop the inflow of money from all countries where Christian scientists are found, the treasurer, Mr. Stephen B. Chase, has been compelled to announce that no sums except those already subscribed can be received. The occasion of the opening of the edifice for the first services was full of interest, as well as of great surprise and wonderment in all. The bright Sabbath sunlight streamed through the richly colored pictorial windows upon a congregation which filled every one of the 1,200 seats in the great auditorium and overflowed into the spaces along the wall. The large number of visitors from all parts of the country to see this most beautiful structure is almost incredible, and the members of the faith are to be found in every state in the Union. Along with descriptions of pictorial windows featuring women of the Bible, the Seattle Post-Intelligencer devoted several paragraphs to a small, remarkably interesting feature of the church known as the Mother's Room, which was made possible by financial contributions from Christian Science children. The reporter described the room's stained-glass images based on Mary Baker Eddy's recent book, Christ and Christmas. One window representing the Star of Bethlehem. The second showing Mrs. Eddy searching the scriptures by the light of a candle. And above it, the Christian Science seal the cross and crown with Jesus' words, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. The third, illustrating a little girl reading science and health to an aged man whose Bible was closed. 
The Seattle News article made note of several other things that were especially unusual about this mother church and its founder. Not only was Reverend Eddie not in attendance at the dedication service, but she had not even seen the church yet, nor had she given any indication of when she might visit it. The article also explained a significant innovation for the Sunday sermons. At the dedication service, Judge J.S. Hanna, who had recently been performing the duties of pastor at the Boston Church, announced his retirement from the pastorate and said that he gladly laid down his responsibilities to be succeeded by the grandest minister a church could have. Eddie would soon explain to readers of the journal. Humbly, and as I believe divinely directed, I hereby ordain that the Bible and science and health with key to the scriptures shall hereafter be the only pastor of the Church of Christ Scientist throughout our land and in other lands. From this date, the Sunday services of our denomination should be conducted by readers in lieu of pastors. Each church or society formed for Sunday worship shall elect two readers, a male and a female. Reverend Eddie, affectionately called Mother by her close students, was starting to wean her children from dependence on personal preaching including her own. She wanted Christian scientists to follow principle, not person. She had begun distancing herself from her congregation and her students, encouraging her religious followers instead to look to the Bible and her writings for guidance. A few months after the dedication, Reverend Eddie made an unexpected and unannounced first appearance at the church to deliver an impromptu sermon. Described by one listener, as a deep symphony of love outbreathed from an overflowing heart. A young man who happened to be visiting the church for the first time described the visit in a letter to his mother, which was published in the Christian Science Journal. I have just returned from church where I had the pleasure of seeing and hearing Mrs. Eddy. I think only a few of the congregation knew any more than I did that she was going to be there, and I don't know now why she came this particular day. Anyway, when the lesson was half through to verse 27, the readers stopped, and she came into the auditorium and passed up onto the platform. The audience rose to their feet when they saw her coming in. She did not stop in the center or step to the most prominent point behind the desk, but simply to one side, and after bowing a welcome to the audience, she sat down and rested her head in silent prayer. Then a lady in the choir sung a beautiful solo, after which Mrs. Eddy arose and, stepping to the desk, spoke in a quiet, pleasant voice, very distinct, for you could easily hear every word. And yet she seemed to be talking as if she were in a small room, sitting only a few feet from you, instead of in that large church. Mrs. Eddy did not preach. She took no text. But I wish I could write you all she said. She must have spoken for twenty minutes, and it meant volumes to me. It was all love, God's love, and Christ's great commandment, love one another. 
She said you must learn to love God, and then you will learn to love your enemies. She said it all in such a simple, loving way that I was charmed. I don't wonder that she is loved. She is all love. You simply feel as if she was your best friend. Afterward, the audience was asked to remain seated while Reverend Eddie left the church. This sort of public appearance was increasingly rare. Instead, this spiritual teacher focused on providing written guidance for her students and their students and their students' students. That year, 1895, Eddie published the first edition of her short and succinct church manual that would serve as authority for church governance for both her Boston organization and all branch churches, including those that would be built all over Seattle. There was no question now that an era of church building had begun. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.